true disciples are learning to follow the Lord Jesus by abiding in his word, the Bible. And as that truth is known, the truth will set us free, a transformation from delusion and corruption. True Disciples is a series of reflections on the Word of God contributing to that process. True Disciples 2, Stumbling Block of the Cross. 1 Peter 2.8, A Stone of Stumbling and a Rock of Offense. Man by nature hates the cross. Interwoven into every fiber of his being is the continuous thread of self-preservation. This is what occupies his waking existence from the cradle to the grave. And with this, Ephesians 5.29 agrees. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. We seek the ease of the soft, the simple, and the sweatless. So ingrained is this notion of self having first place that any suggestion of suffering or death meets with immediate and instinctive reproof. We will spare self at all costs, and self to survive will put on a thousand masks. It is unimaginable to the natural mind that a cross could ever be the will of God for anyone. Yet it is. It was for Jesus himself, though Peter could not conceive that it could ever be so. He even reproved the Lord for such a misguided concept. But Jesus rebuked him and all who hold such a deceived idea. Mark 8.33 He rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. The conclusion is obvious. Avoidance of the cross is at the prompting of the devil. God's way is to put self to death along with the flesh and all that we are by nature. It is the way of man in concert with the evil one to save, preserve, and rescue ourselves. It is thus that the stumbling block is encountered. Hatred of self and love of self cannot coexist. Inbred in each is the destruction of the other. No treaty of toleration can be drafted between the two. The cross deals death blows to the self-centered of every generation. You rather must hate self as your worst enemy in the spiritual life. You must see it as that which is condemned by God himself as being fit only for a cross. A follower of Christ must reject his own opinion, perspective, and inclination in the strongest possible way. 
Only then can Christ's word be followed. Our own self-conceived agenda, our own natural desires for pleasure, prosperity, power, possessions, and pride are what must be crucified. Truly, for a disciple, there is nothing else to boast in except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Galatians 6.14 And Jesus declares that there are no other types of genuine disciples. Luke 14.27 Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Crosses were reserved for the worst of humanity's criminals. By the means of a cross, they thus expired, unpitied, rejected, scorned, hated, and tortured. All that they were in themselves came to an abrupt and violent end. The cross put them to death. We dislike this immensely. We would rather be spared this treatment at the hands of men and of God. But avoidance of the cross will not make us disciples. The words of Jesus are painfully clear in Mark 8, 34, 35. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. This is the stumbling block of the cross. We wish to spare our lives. The Lord desires to crucify them. We want to preserve ourselves. The Lord says we must deny ourselves. We esteem ourselves highly. God declares that self is nothing more than condemned criminal activity. Self is always opposed to the cross, and the cross is ever the death of self. The conclusion of 2 Corinthians 5.15 is this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And it is the cross that executes self with its one thousand and one tentacles of self-confident reliance. The stumbling block is Christ and him crucified. Strange, isn't it, that Christ would be a stumbling block to those laying claim to his name. Yet he is. This generation thinks it does not need him. We have chosen instead a vast array of foolish substitutes. 
the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16, has nicely been set aside by our fleshly alternatives. Reliance upon self in any degree is a corrupt, powerless, and impoverished slavery. Adding religious activities to it only worsens our condition. Will clinging to a shadow in the presence of the reality commend you to God? Absolutely not. A shadow only exists because of light shining upon the reality. Jesus Christ the Lord is the substance and reality of which the Old Testament law merely vaguely outlined. Colossians 2.17 clearly states, These are only the shadow of the good things to come, but the reality is Christ. So, of what value, then, are your careful observance of religious festivals, dietary rules, liturgies, ceremonial procedures, and church meetings in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. Colossians 2, 16 through 22. The answer is plain from Colossians 2, 23. These are matters which have the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and false humility and severe treatment of the body a wisdom with no true value. They, in reality, result in fleshly indulgence. The flesh cannot conquer the flesh. It cannot improve itself one bit. For Romans 7.18 says, In me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. These are sobering realities. Some of the strongest language in the scriptures is reserved for those placing confidence in the flesh. Words like accursed, Galatians 1, 8 and 9, false brethren, Galatians 2, 4, fools and bewitched, Galatians 3, 1, worthless, Galatians 4, 9, and slavery, Galatians 5, 1. Those not denying self have been alienated from Christ. Galatians 5, 4. These have fallen from grace. Galatians 5, 4. And discover to their everlasting ruin that Christ will be of no benefit to them. Galatians 5, 2. If you have Christ, what need do you have of self-effort? This thing of salvation is no cooperative endeavor. It is not. Just do your best, and God will make up the rest. Galatians 2.21 I do not reject, nullify, frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain, needlessly. But the Lord Jesus has not died in vain. The fact of his crucifixion settles the question of right standing with God 
once and forever. All self-effort through religious observance is what sets aside the cross as meaningless. And it is the cross that sets aside, rather puts to death under the severest judgment, all that man is in himself. Of what use are your codes and rules, promises and formulas, steps and systems, or ceremonies and routines, catechisms and traditions, when you are helpless and corrupt criminals fit only for crucifixion? How shall an external token act of religious devotion, such as fasting or tithing, or church attendance do one thing to effect the needed radical transformation of an unclean heart. One may boast in these devoted acts with a fair degree of outward show, all the while the heart is full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. We have stumbled over Christ and him crucified. The cross is a reproach unto us, but we think there is little reproachable in ourselves. Self is exalted, Christ is degraded, while we esteem ourselves and dishonor the Lord Jesus. Romans 9.32.33 says we have stumbled over the stumbling stone just as it is written. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed, but he who relies upon self will not only be disappointed, but he shall be scattered like dust. Matthew 21, 44. To a vast host of would-be followers, the Lord Jesus turned and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 25, 26. Hatred of the downward pull of every natural relation is mandatory for every disciple. One cannot properly be called a disciple, a learner, a follower, who disobeys Christ because of man, because of the pressure of those closest to us. The requirement for every true disciple is to reject in the strongest possible manner any tendency, suggestion, or directive to stray from Christ himself. A disciple must hate even his own self, his own opinion, perspective, and inclination. Proverbs 28.26 simply states, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, and so the only valid alternative is Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
and do not lean on your own understanding. This is why rejection of self is our only option. In Luke 14, 28 through 35, Jesus tells us that our resources are completely lacking. None of us has what is required to produce fruitfulness in the coming day or to secure victory over the enemy of our souls. In this scripture, the Lord Jesus is not directing us to look within ourselves and assess our own willpower, commitment, and sincerity. He is not looking for people who will pledge their own loyalty out of a determined self-effort. Self-help is not God's help. God does not help those who help themselves. Those who think so become the ridiculed fools described who began to build and were not able to finish. Luke 14.30 The point of counting the cost in this passage is simply this. When we honestly evaluate what we possess to contribute toward being a disciple, it falls far short of the requirements. Actually, our imagined resources are a positive hindrance, a liability which is outstanding against us, a stumbling block. What we have to contribute is so far worthless that the Lord's conclusion sweeps it all away as so much refuse. Luke 14:33. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up, forsake, say farewell to all that he has, all his own possessions, all the resources from himself. The possessions he refers to are not things. They are what we account as valuable as contributing toward being his disciples. They are our perceived assets of religious devotion, culture, intellect, morality, and strength of resolve. You cannot be his disciple while you are relying upon what you possess, expecting to donate that to the cause of becoming what you ought to be. You rather must hate it. You must see self as that which is condemned by God as being fit only for a cross. You cannot be his disciple unless you give up all the resources you treasure as dear. As great as the Apostle Paul was, he stated truly in 2 Corinthians 3.5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as out from ourselves, but our sufficiency is out from God. And again, he asked in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, And what do you have that you did not receive? But if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? 
And John the Baptist confessed in John 3, 27, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. A true disciple abandons self, his attainments and esteem, and flees to his only hope of life and godliness, the Lord Jesus himself. A real disciple embraces the cross as putting to death within himself that which is at total enmity against God. Anything else is worthless. Jesus used salt to illustrate this truth. Luke 14, 34, 35. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. Salt is always salty. It never can lose its saltiness. This is how it is recognized. If it isn't salty, it isn't salt. The very nature and composition of it makes it so. The only thing that would hide its saltiness would be the introduction of such a volume of other elements that its presence goes undetected. But even then, it hasn't lost its savor. It has merely been overcome by other things so that its flavor is lost in the mixture. The nature of salt is saltiness. The nature of a disciple is an abandonment of self-confidence. If it isn't salty, it isn't salt. If respectable religious self-confidence has its grip on your heart, you have not yet known the Lord Jesus. Relying upon your own resources proves that you are not his disciple. If your devotion to Christ is unrecognizable by reason of mixture with so many contrary religious practices of the world, you will be thrown out. If the salt in you is undetectable, it renders you useless. What will you do when you discover the true condition of your heart? When Paul discovered his, he threw it out. All of his heritage, his academic achievements, his strict religious practices, the polished masquerade of righteousness, and his consuming zeal for his religion's tradition were thrown out as so much offensive filth. Thus are the flesh, self, and what we esteem ourselves to be. They are against us. Religious pride leads to our everlasting ruin, and many are deceived thereby. Luke 18, 9-12, Jesus spoke to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. The deceived religious ruler prayed thus to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, 
or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I possess. But this man prayed and perished in his pride. When Paul's eyes were opened to see himself as he truly was, he summed up his past life and what he did about it in Philippians 3, 8 and 9. I count them but rubbish, filth, dung, in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ. He did not view anything he possessed as being an asset, as contributing to any right standing with God. Whatever could be conceived of as in his favor, a credit to his account, a resource, a valued commodity, was actually the opposite. It was a loss. It stood against him. All of his perceived gain was actually a debit, a liability, an impoverishment, an outstanding obligation bringing him down to hell. Here is the verdict of Philippians 3, 7 and 8. But whatever things were gained to me, I have counted as loss because of Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all things loss because of the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Yes, this is a life worth pursuing. This is a knowledge above all other. Christ, our righteousness. Christ, our life. Listen, do you truly know the Lord Jesus, or are you merely a respectable religious person? Are you trusting in him alone, or are you assuming that church attendance, or your reverend's blessing, or baptism, or communion, or tithing, or keeping your church's traditions will cleanse your heart and carry you to heaven? These things can never do what only Christ can. Oh, that you might know the Lord Jesus and the power of his resurrection. May you press on to know him. And Jesus said in Matthew eleven six, Blessed is he who does not stumble over me. This concludes today's reflection on true disciples. My name is Steve Phillips. If you found benefit in this, also share this link with those you are concerned about. Your comments are welcome, and discussion is invited. You may contact me at oebosteve at yahoo.com. Let me spell that for you. O-Y-I-N-B-O-S-T e-v-e at yahoo.com. Until next time, remember Matthew 21.6. The disciples went 
and did just as Jesus had instructed them. 